0: In the Second Line studio I'm your host, Zach Barry We had Nicholas Carr with us last week Ben was on vacation We are flip-flopping it this week Nicholas is unable to join, but Ben is here Ben, uh, regale us with a tale of your slope adventures
1: It was a good time, you know The um, uh, It's like zero degrees There's not a lot of people on the mountain And um, I I don't re- I cannot recommend for anybody to travel during the COVID-19 pandemic until it's under control however if you are going to everywhere that you would travel is pretty much empty and um but you know it's my wife's first time to go so that uh that's an adventure in and of itself but other than that I mean nothing crazy we You know I kind of just tried to hang out with her and just you know take some time away if if there is one thing that's true is that social distance as a great activity to remain uh distance from others I mean truly you already have a mask on you're outside and you're never within hopefully you're never within six feet of somebody if you are you're probably fixing to crash (laughs)
0: You know we we talk we talk about like good beers like what's a what's like the best kind of beer um you know a popular one is uh you know a beer at a baseball game like beer and a hot dog great um you know beer after cutting the grass is a popular one a golf course beer drinking a beer while you're playing golf in the summer um a lot of people a lot of people say shower beers up there I think a beer that is really underrated that doesn't get a ton of credit is that first cold beer when you get to the bottom of the mountain. That is a very good beer. You know,
1: you're also already so high above sea level that it just hits different, literally. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It's yeah, very underrated beer. I uh highly recommend that. Yeah, I it's been a minute since I've uh hit the slopes. Um I'd love to, you know, whether it's during a pandemic or not, I, uh, I need to do it. I need to get out West and do it. I've done it on the East coast. I need to get out West. Um, now I, you know, kind of segue here into, uh, into basketball. Um, the almost basketball team kind of, uh, had their way skiing down a mountain, nice and easy, uh, in Starkville, um, that, that metaphor doesn't really work here, but uh, we're going to make it work. Um, didn't really have any issues with the Mississippi State team. That's um, They're not great, but they have some decent depth, and they play a good bit of guys, and they typically can give people trouble with their length. And then they've got some scores that can uh, really get um, – I feel like they're mostly rhythm shooters, but they can uh, they can fill it up if you let them. Uh, Ole Miss did not. Uh, the Rebels held Mississippi State to 46 points on the road to win 64-46 to improve to seven and six, two and four in the conference. That uh, broke a three-game skid. A couple bad losses at Florida. They had that game one, gave it away late. Georgia at home was another really bad one. Um, so good to get a win we had talked about it offline quite a bit and I want to get your thoughts here heading into the weekend against A&M at home a and a team that's struggling should be a winnable game um and we got to mention it before we forget the throwback uniforms that Ole Miss is wearing on Saturday are absolutely pristine um
1: yeah they're wonderful wonderful very
0: very good kind of a throwback nod to the Provine posse Rod Barnes and the gang Um, looking forward to seeing those on television but um, yeah a a winnable game for Kermit Davis and this team and and look I, I was extremely critical a couple weeks ago of how this team was playing once conference play started, they started to really skid and not really do much on offense. Devontae Shuler gets hot. Jarkel Joiner starting to put the ball in the hoop. Um, still playing outstanding defense. Um, but what are your expectations moving forward? Do you think that that game against Mississippi State was just kind of a one-off rivalry game? Everybody's excited, wanting to get a win. Or do you think that maybe they've found something and maybe Kermit's kind of adjusted how he's – Subbing in and out during games, how he's coaching—a lot of factors went into that. What did you see?
1: I, I, I hate to be this way, but I think the best Ole Miss's best chance of being decent going forward is really off on the back of uh, Devontae Shuler. Kind of not saying he has to be what and Tyree was last year, and and get twenty five to thirty a game, but he's definitely got to be really good. I mean, Ole Miss needs to be, you know, very good in the backcourt in order to be competitive, and should be very good in the backcourt. And um and he was very good against Mississippi State. Um, he played thirty three minutes, had twenty two points, and you know that's. I'm not saying you need to expect 22 out of him every night, but he probably needs to be a guy that's going to get 15 or 16 um, and play really good defense. You know what the change the changes that happen for Ole Miss from let's say Georgia on the 16th to the Mississippi State game on the 19th is there is multiple. One, Ole Miss shot seven for eight from the free throw line against State. That's you know very good. Um, You know it's never that great that you're only getting to the shoot getting eight free throws, Mm -hmm. but, you know, the the referees only called 21 total fouls in the game against Mississippi State. That's incredible. That's between both teams. Yeah. Um, You know, against Georgia, the referees called 36 fouls you know say 15 more fouls in that game and then against george ole miss shot 5 of 15 from the free throw line you know ole miss shot better than 50 percent from the floor against georgia and got beat at home i don't know how you shoot 5 of 15 from the free throw line at home that is a background that you should be used to seeing i, I just i don't i don't understand that but nevertheless they got it together against mississippi state shot seven of eight um you know i, I think that that um there are a couple players that you know just need to be really good for Ole Miss one is Shuler and I like I like Luis Rodriguez like I I think that he needs to be a guy who goes in there and gets and just causes havoc gets a bunch of you know rebounds steals it's almost as if he needs to be a and I I don't mean this in in the sense that he can't shoot but because I think Rodriguez can shoot, but, you know, he needs to be a Murphy Holloway type, right? He needs to be somebody who goes in there and just kind of like bangs around, but, but from the, from a guard position rather than a back to the basket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, he
0: leads the team in rebounds right now, which is impressive as a guard. Um, He kind of does a little bit of everything already. Yeah. Probably like for him to score a little more, um, but as we said, this team is playing outstanding defense. They're only allowing sixty-two a game, um, shooting forty-four percent from the field, and I, I just, for me, like you said, I, I agree one hundred percent with Schuler has to be the guy. He has to be impactful offensively.
1: Um, it's also his turn to be the guy. Like, yeah, the, the, we're not we're not like, you know, splitting the atom here. This is very simple. You know, every year you need th- that next guy to step up and he is that guy. And next year, that guy may be Crowley or Crowley or Morell. Like you don't you know, but right now, Devontae Shuler needs to be that guy.
0: Yeah, it's it's a, to me, I think this point is carries a ton of weight I think it's imperative for him to be a weapon offensively because we've talked about this off, off the show before as good as Romello White has been and he's he's struggled a little bit um, but he's still effective um, down low he's I, I think we've all said that we think he's probably the best big man that Ole Miss has had talent wise um, probably in a long time Um
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a guy that can create his own shot. Um, He's got some moves in the paint. He's not just a, you know, get position, turn, and put it off the backboard. I mean, he's legitimately can create his own shot, but it's hard late in games to run the offense through an interior guy like that that's just not a complete overpowering force. You know, he's not not 6'11", 260. He's not a big bulky interior guy. So Shuler has got to be a factor and has got to be a threat to either put the ball on the floor, get to the rim or to shoot from the outside because we've seen it in games late. We saw it against, you know, on the road at Florida, we saw it against Georgia. Nobody else was really doing a ton. And And look, Shuler led the team in scoring in both of those games, but it was just very streaky and it wasn't consistent. I think it's, absolutely I mean heading down the stretch here I mean you've got A&M at home and then you go next week you go to Arkansas and then to Georgia and then you've got Tennessee at home and then you go to Auburn I mean that stretch right there is is, is tough Georgia's a winnable game um, Arkansas won a tough one last night against um, against Auburn um not playing particularly well but can score. Um Tennessee's a top ten team even though they got shellacked by Florida the other night. And then Auburn, who's got Sharif Cooper back, is gonna be tough on the road. So you've got to get consistent production out of your guards. I mentioned Joyner is starting to heat up a little bit. He's kind of finding his jumper. It's taking him a little bit to get going. But I feel like that's the key here. They've got to the, you you hit it. What you said—they got to be solid in the backcourt for this team to have a sh- a real shot to win some games.
1: Yeah, I mean you're never as good as Romelo White is, and this is not to take anything away from him because I do think he's one of, if not the most talented post player the program has had, you know since. For sure, Sebastian Saiz. Maybe, and he's not a true back to the basket guy. But if you want to go further back than him, you could say Buckner and Murphy Holloway were pretty good. And then before them, it'd be you know all the way back to Dwayne Curtis, and then then way back to and I hate to say that about it, but you know to the guys who are wearing the jerseys that Ole Miss is going to wear next game, you know like Raheem Lockhart. But um, you know when I look at the schedule going forward, I don't see a I don't see a guaranteed win on it. But, but I also don't really see a guaranteed loss. You know, you get Tennessee at home, not that home court, you know, apparently doesn't really matter for Ole Miss right now, but um, it, nobody's just great in the SEC. And, you know, anytime you have a good you – shooting, know, that's the good thing about basketball is you can pretty much stay in every game. And Ole Miss has really been in every game – Except for the LSU game, and right. been in every game late. Um, maybe Alabama, but Alabama has been very good here lately. And I don't, yeah. see, I don't think Ole Miss plays Alabama again this year. So, um, no. other than Tennessee, who's going to be extra- extraordinarily tough? I, I don't know that um, there's necessarily a, just an absolute guaranteed loss remaining on the schedule um that said um I don't expect Ole Miss to run the table I mean the Mississippi State win was a great one but we we're used to seeing now Ole Miss plays them particularly well under Kermit Davis yeah and um I mean he's I don't know what he is at, they said it record-wise at State since he's been at Oxford it's pretty good I mean and so, uh, and they typically have as much, if not more, not more talent than Ole Miss. So, um, but the Ole Miss is going to go as far as the guards will take them. Got to, got to keep the turnovers down. Need to make free throws. Really need to get better at outside shooting, or just try to shoot outside more. Ole Miss passes up a lot more three pointers now than they used to, and I don't know if that's by design or people are just scared to shoot it I, I don't know but yeah. you need to find an outside shooter like uh, truly you got to have a threat that can stretch the four and I think Shuler can be that and he's done well last two games I mean or three I think he's had like 19 22 and 23 in the last three games he needs to keep that up joiner needs to heat up from outside morale needs to shoot it from outside and yeah. um and there's and, yeah you know, there's guys like you can't get high down a stretch
0: right I mean the guys like you you mentioned morell you mentioned Crowley they're not playing a ton I don't know why I feel like those are the dudes that that need to get out there, and they just need to shoot. They're shooters. Um, exactly. morell exactly. was known He's as up. a...
1: Right,
0: I was going to say, morell was like a 3-and-D guy. Um, you know, He played on that loaded IMG team um, that had like 19 blue-chip guys. Yeah, I mean, they were loaded. Um, and they just had... He was
1: one of the highest-ranked ones on there, if not the highest-ranked.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he's he, he essentially worked his way into the starting lineup and broke into the starting five because he shot the ball so well from outside. I mean, they had, um, I don't know their names, but I mean, like the entire starting five all signed power five scholarships. So yeah. I mean, he and and,
1: and it, yeah, uh, he needs to he needs to find his way on the floor more, and and maybe he will, you know, moving forward. I, you know, yeah. I know everybody has really high expectations of him. They should. I mean, yeah. he's got tremendous talent so and he looks like a guy who could be an absolute stud as an upperclassman yeah i mean he has that kind of frame yeah you know
0: still a a true freshman he's gonna he's gonna have some lumps freshman year um but i mean they got to play him i think you you got to play him more to get him out there and get acclimated and to just shoot find his shot and you know play defense i mean he's a six three, six four guard who can really extend the floor defensively, can really disrupt passing lanes. I, I I'd I'd like to see him play more. Um before we hit the break, I was just gonna talk about the rest of the schedule. You said there's not really any guaranteed losses down the stretch and you know, I find it hard to find one outside of you've got the ones that I've already mentioned. I think at Auburn's gonna be tough with Cooper back on the floor for them. Tennessee's gonna be tough. I agree. They're a, t- a top-ten yeah, team. I
1: agree there, too. Um, yeah. Rick
0: Barnes has got a good club there. But the two games, and this is going to be really tough, you've got Missouri at home, at South Carolina, stayed at home, and then at Missouri again. Missouri, quietly a top-25 team. Um, I think that's probably the two toughest games, having to play them twice. That's probably going to be Ole Miss's two toughest chances to get a win um missouri is playing extremely well xavier pinson drew smith jeremiah tillman and mark smith all average double figures for mizzou Um, they're just a really solid team in the backcourt they're really going to press you um putting the ball on the floor and then look i mean (laughs) it's kind of weird to say you close the regular season out at vandy they're okay Jerry Stackhouse has got them playing well Scotty Pippen jr scores a ton but man the regular season finale at home against Kentucky I mean you look at what Kentucky has done this season I mean John Calipari they're four nine seventh in the conference right now they uh it's weird I mean they've won three games in the conference but they've lost three in a row um after starting out uh, 3-0 and in the SEC, that's a freebie. This is not, as of right now, this is not your typical Kentucky team. Maybe they get it going in time, just win Ole Miss, and, and them tip it off. But, I mean, that's that's a chance to, to get a win. So it's going to be tough sledding because I don't think this Ole Miss team is as good as people thought they were going to be. But uh, we'll see what they do on Saturday against A&M and if they can kind of build some momentum heading into next week
1: yep yep i mean just get high down the stretch let's see what happens
0: yeah all right we're going to take our break here from the sponsors when we come back i got a pretty interesting question ben and i are going to discuss this i I feel like this is going to be pretty fun this is going to be challenging uh so hang tight we'll be right back and uh, we'll have more on the other side It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments, part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Iris in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost-grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly Combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials, 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going... Be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe an anniversary a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome, has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Ride Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station Bourbon, a very small batch high ride bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high-rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share a sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive... Inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662 257 1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here, Podcast Rebellion, in the second line studio. All right. So everybody's favorite sideline reporter for the SEC Network, Cole Kubelik, had a a great tweet on Tuesday. He said, quote, you have 10 years to win a national title or you get airdropped into a den of hippos. Hippos, uh, I don't know the actual specific statistic. Um, Hippos kill more people than, like, sharks do um like they're just basically don't fuck with hippos they're really bad um so you have 10 years to win a national title or you get airdropped into a den of hippos which 1990s national champion school are going to win another one so here's the list in case you don't know off the top of your head national champions is
1: not the team from a 90s this is oh, team now, a school yeah. that could win one going forward.
0: Right. So you've got till 2031. Okay. The teams that you have to choose from. The Colorado Buffaloes. The Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Washington Huskies. Florida State Seminoles. The Nebraska Cornhuskers. The Michigan Wolverines. Or the Tennessee Volunteers.
1: Who well. Boy? This could age re- in the minds of every Tennessee <laughs> fan in the world who thinks that Lane Kiffin is going to come oh, that's quote, right. come home since he spent less time in Knoxville than he has currently spent in Oxford. Um, um, you know Tennessee's gonna they're gonna get hit by the NCAA like that's going to mm-hmm. happen. I think I saw a tweet maybe by West Rucker or somebody that said. This is a rebuild down to the studs, if you were doing a house. Complete teardown. Um, yeah. Well, let, let me let me start from the beginning. Colorado, Georgia Tech, Washington, Nebraska, and Michigan are all pretty much definite no's. Yeah. I would um, agree. Well, let, and I, I'll I'll take Michigan out of that. We'll say Florida State, Michigan, and Tennessee are the three with a chance to me. Sure. Sure. Now, and, and I'm using I'm using that very loosely, mm-hmm. um. And Michigan and Tennessee are kind of the same program now. <laughs> I mean, like it's like these schools that seat 150,000 fans in their stadium, they can never get a good quarterback. Sorry, shay Patterson, and they can never. And, uh, but like they, they just they underachieve every year. They have huge budgets and huge fan bases and you know unlimited resources and they underachieve i mean michigan has the jordan brand still can't do anything jim harbaugh whoever doesn't matter tennessee like i said sanctions i think the obvious choice has to be florida state i mean it has to be yeah i, I don't know they've played in the one that's the most recent too they played in one what 2013 2014 the james winston and won it so yeah
0: against all maybe
1: they made the playoffs since then but um I'd have to choose Florida State, even though they're not – I mean, don't get me wrong, they're not in great shape either. No. But as far as, like, recruiting territory, that's who I'd have to pick.
0: I think that's the answer, and it's almost just by default. Like you said, they're in Florida. Maybe they get lucky, build something with Mike Norvell. Maybe Clemson takes a step back at some point. I I don't really think they will. Um, I don't think Nebraska's even – remotely close they thought scott frost was going to be the savior um after he went 13 and 0 at ucf um won the peach bowl they hire him he is 12 and 20 since they hired him 9 and 17 in the big 10 they have gone 4 and 8 5 and 7 and they went 3 and 5 this year they are terrible um They've recruited well, despite Lincoln, Nebraska being in the middle of fucking nowhere. Um, and they're in the Big Ten. They're in the Big Ten West, and they still cannot get it done. Um, I think that's a complete long shot. And then, yeah, Michigan. It's insane to say this with all the – I mean, just all the – everything at their disposal. All the resources that they have. Um it's almost. I mean, they've they've won ten games three times under Jim Harbaugh. The other years they've gone eight and five, nine and four, and then they went two and four this year. Um, but for them, it's mostly they have Ohio State. They can't get by Ohio State. You're That's
1: not, right. I
0: mean, you're they not, you're not winning the Big team They also you're not going to beat Ryan yeah, Day and the Buckeyes. Like it's just it's not going to happen.
1: I mean it's not just Ohio state. They can't beat Northwestern. Like we're, we're, you know, they've got, you know, Alabama. And I know this is a, this is a very difficult comparison for anybody. Um, or LSU or, or, you know, I guess Georgia, I guess would be more fair because Alabama literally just beats everybody. Um, those those teams don't have to worry when they play like an indiana or you know i don't know let's say kentucky but like if you look at michigan's 2020 schedule they got beat by michigan oh. state they got beat by indiana they got beat they got throttled at home by wisconsin 49 to 11 and they lost by 10 to a Penn State team that I think was winless at the time. Yep, they were. So, a- And it took three I, I overtimes is, to beat Rutgers. I don't know. And, and, you know, we make fun of Jim Harbaugh all the time. And I, I assume they haven't fired him unless I've, there's something that I don't know. Um,
0: they adjusted well, his contract to where his buyout is far less. And he got basically like with an asterisk, he got an extension.
1: Yeah, so my question is who would they go hire? You know what I'm saying like at some point is it the coach or the school? Like at yeah. some point, you know, everybody talks about this and and about Nebraska's dead. You know, like they that's just a place where where recruits are never going to go ever again. And and I guess the ultimate question is, and this is me asking you because Alabama football was really, really bad in the late 90s and early mm-hmm. 2000s. I mean, they had some three and eight years. They weren't very good pre-Nick Saban. Now, they were pretty good under Shula, but they were not very good before Shula. And, and the late 90s were, were unkind to Alabama in early 2000s. The question I have for you, so so they kind of hit a lull too, not nearly as long as Nebraska has. My question is, if Nick Saban went to Lincoln, Nebraska, would he win a national championship?
0: I mean it would probably take him a minute, but I think, you he's think he could or,
1: win one you think he he's, could recruit to Lincoln?
0: I, at this point I don't see why I don't see how you could say no. But
1: I but it, I agree. I, I completely agree with you. I think he could. Who else could do that?
0: Um that's the the list is very short. That's probably the list.
1: I mean two people. It was But I don't know that Dabo could do it. Is my point, point. and we'll just use Davo because Clemson's always there too. Ryan Day certainly couldn't do it; he doesn't have the name recognition. But, but we'll say Nick Saban can. Okay, that's Nebraska. Let's go to Michigan. Could Nick Saban could win a national championship in Michigan? There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Who else could? Who else?
0: Well, they've got I- Jim
1: Harbaugh, who's, <laughs> who they're paying like ten million a year, and they can't beat freaking Indiana. And we just saw an old Miss team who had the two; it's two best weapons opt-out three the running back one point Ely Wutton, elijah moore was and uh tight end uh who's uh, i'm going drawing a blank right now none of them played in it yeah and still beat indiana and and really didn't play great right
0: here's here's the so name like, i was going to throw out for michigan and i think michigan fans would get all pissy about it but they got to get over it because at some point you got to decide if you want to be worth a shit. I think that they should throw the freaking Zingerman's Deli Brinks truck at Luke Fickle and get him to come up Yeah, that's
1: probably fair. I'm surprised when Urban Meyer left Ohio State or got run, whatever happened there, that they didn't try to get Luke Fickle, honestly. I'm surprised that they just promoted Ryan Day.
0: But I guarantee you Michigan wouldn't do that because Luke Fickle went to Ohio State.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. You 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 nailed it.
0: I mean, I think Fickle right now is waiting on either Michigan or Notre Dame to open
1: up. Yeah, I agree. But I agree.
0: Uh, I mean, Nick Saban's you know, literally the only guy that you could just put him somewhere, and then they could probably contend in three to four years.
1: And I know I kind of I derailed the conversation there, but I think that's the way to ask it. So, like, if you look at these schools, I don't think Nick Saban could win a national championship at Colorado. I like Colorado, I just don't think he could do it. Yeah, Georgia Tech, maybe, but probably not. I could see him making the playoff at Washington. He could win it at Florida State. I think yeah. he could win it at Nebraska. He'd definitely win it at Michigan, and he would win it at Tennessee. Um, but if I mean, you, if Washington you next- is.
0: I was going to say Washington's a place that's kind of similar to Bama where I mean before Steve Sarkeesian was there and then before Chris Peterson I mean they didn't do anything like Don James was there forever when they won that national title and they were good in the 90s but since then like they have done nothing so they're not even in it without Nick Saban like not a shot it just has to be Florida State I mean Norvell, you know, they they go three and six in twenty twenty. They were absolutely awful. It's just been a disaster down there. They've had locker room issues, they've had off the field stuff, they've had dudes in the portal, dudes out of the portal. They got a ton of transfers in during this off season. We'll see how they are next season in twenty twenty one. But I mean, right now, it's pretty insane to say that the team that just went three and six has the best shot.
1: Well, you also have to consider when you look at these other programs, you know Florida State, all they've got to do really is get past Clemson.
0: Yeah, that's it. And if, if and, I guess I guess Clemson and if Notre Dame is gonna be in the ACC for football, then you factor them in, yeah, but Notre I think Dame. they're gonna go back to independent.
1: like at Michigan, you've got Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State, you know, now you got Indiana, Northwestern's never going to be easy.
0: Yeah, and I mean, as, as long as Pat know, so, Fitzgerald's there, they're going to be decent.
1: Yeah, they're they're at least you're going to have to execute to beat them. Yeah, and so, um, you will out athlete them, but you you also have to execute. The other the other point, I mean, Florida State has a much easier path in that ACC, and they're going to be able to recruit just as good of players. I mm-hmm. I just I don't see how this is a, a, a no brainer, Florida State. Well, really, out of all the national 90, '90s national champions, the cor- correct answer is Alabama because they won it in '92. But <laughs> yeah, if we're taking Alabama out, uh, it's Florida State. <laughs> it really is a great question, and it is.
0: It I is. mean, I, it just it has to be Florida State, and like I said, by default, because the rest of the list is just. I mean, look, it's crazy. I mean we've we've talked about that before where it's like like Tennessee, Nebraska, Michigan's thrown in there now cuz they just struggle so much and then Florida State like they're all just shells of themselves what they were back in the 90s and then you've got their fan bases that still think, you know, we joke all the time, you know, feels like 98 with Tennessee fans. And you've got Tennessee, you know, they they can Jeremy Pruitt, they get rid of Philip Fulmer probably going to be under investigation for a long time if not you know at least throughout this offseason probably going to be on probation going to have some kind of level one violations to account for and they still think that they can go get lane kiffin they still think that that, you know we always joke about the groomers with with john gruden they're just delusional it's not 98 anymore if you're you know, if you're Nebraska, like this isn't ninety five. Like y- you were talking about it before we started. Tommy is not coming through that door to play quarterback and and run the option. Like it's that's not and how he, it is.
1: He was an incredible player, but you cannot run that option against Alabama.
0: No. That's like, that's style football. I mean, is as gone. good
1: as he was, he couldn't do that. Not in not not over the course of a full game. And he was incredible. I mean, I think they put up 62 in the national championship one year. He uh, probably I mean, ran for 300 yards that game. I mean, he he was so good. I've heard stories. Actually, I think I know somebody who went to high school with him. He was so good in high school and college that he would tell like, cameramen, you know, for like highlights or whatever, make sure in the such and such quarter you're standing in this corner of the end zone and I'll run a touchdown and smile while I'm running down the sideline. So you can get it on camera. <laughs> like he was that good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, I mean, yeah.
0: dude, they like in their Like they beat Florida in the Fiesta bowl in 96, 62 to 24. Um, they beat Tennessee 42, 17. Um, I mean, just going through, let's see, the national title games, uh, 94, they went 13-0. and 0. They beat Miami by seven. That was pretty modest. The next but they won
1: back-to-back national championships and didn't lose a game.
0: Yeah. Combined, year, I don't think. yeah, 94-95, they went 25-0. Yeah. and 0. In the Fiesta Bowl that year, that's when they yeah. hung 62 on Florida, who was undefeated at the time. Yeah. Um, Ninety-six, modest eleven and two, won the Orange Bowl, beat Virginia Tech. They they won by twenty, um, and then in ninety-seven, Tom Osborne's final year, they win the Orange Bowl to go thirteen and zero. That's when they beat Tennessee forty-two seventeen. I mean, they were beating the dog shit out of people, <laughs> running the eye yeah. back
1: option. Yeah, the eye bone. They uh, they absolutely beat people to they beat people down it wasn't like you know now you get beat running the spread and it's like losing a baseball game really bad you have you don't really feel it but when you played nebraska they were like bending your face mask beating you oh yeah i
0: mean tom osborne went 255 and 49 at nebraska <laughs> i mean that's just... some nick
1: statement stuff
0: yeah, I mean they won 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 conference titles during his tenure. Um they had 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8
1: That's the old Big 12 too and what Southwest 11, maybe 12 13. Like they yeah.
0: Big 8 and then I mean, Big that's... 12 over the last 2 years, but I mean they, you know, double digit wins. Up, uh, you know, 14, 15 years. I mean, just th-
1: that Nebraska has gone. A conference with Texas and Oklahoma and stuff. Man, they're they're good. They were really good, no yeah. doubt. It's amazing so, what he could do there.
0: Yeah, great, great question. I mean, I think we've come to an agreement that it's Florida State by default. Um, but again, like, it's not a guarantee. Like you, <laughs> you got to beat Clemson, and they haven't even been close to beating them in recent years and Norvell has got his work cut out for him. So I, I have that, I guess we're essentially flipping a coin at this point between, I guess, Michigan and, and Florida state. So anything else? Do we have any, uh, any kind of uh, optimism for the Tennessee fans that are tuning in, hoping that we talk about Lane Kiffin going to Knoxville?
1: You know, it, it, here's where I stand on that. Um, as as big of an an Ole Miss fan that I am, as big of a homer as most people probably think that I am, Tennessee is. It could be a great job. Yeah, it absolutely. could be a job. It could be a job. I mean, they've won a national championship in the last 25 years. They are also four and five in their last nine against Vanderbilt. And they also had 20 something players or whatever it is declare that they're entering the transfer portal and going to transfer away. And they admitted in order to fire their coach without having to pay his buyout, they admitted that they committed some several level one and level two infractions. Or that's the way I understood it. Maybe, maybe Mm -hmm. is that, am I correct there? Yeah. So you have to think (laughs) that at minimum, even if they don't have, let's say they don't have a bull band, they're going to have some limitations, some sanctions come down. They will go on probation. If, If all that's true, so oh yeah,
0: it's uh, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better there.
1: And so, I'm not saying I'm not blind to say that Tennessee can't be a great job. I'm not blind to say that they have a hundred and ten thousand person stadium. They've got tons of money and big boosters and all that kind of stuff. And they've got you know Knoxville's a pretty big place and they're fairly close to Nashville. And but. I don't think right now is the time for anybody who's an established coach to go there. That just doesn't make sense to me. Do I think that Tennessee can hire Hugh freeze? I think he'd go there. <laughs> oh, he wouldn't, he wouldn't but turn I, it down. No, that's right. But I don't know that you're going to leave, even if you consider it normally to be a, a better job than where you are. And I'm not even saying just Ole Miss. Let's say, Let's say Auburn's coach Brian Harson thinks Tennessee is better than Auburn. Okay, I'm not saying Tennessee is better than Auburn. Let's just say he, he, he assumes that job to be better. I don't think you leave for that job right now, not with what's coming, and not with what's returning. That just does not make sense.
0: No, it doesn't. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it, oh.
1: I could eat, I could eat crow. You know, if he. Uh, nothing would surprise me in anything in sports anymore. I uh, the only thing that would surprise me is if I were ever to get surprised. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> it's <laughs> Oh man,
0: yeah. It's times are changing. Um because you've got a power like Tennessee um that is no longer a power and they want to poach all as That's coach. right. So, it's uh it's weird. Um <laughs>
1: This point, wild.
0: Yeah. It's it's crazy. But all right, well that's gonna do it for uh for this edition of Podcast Rebellion. Um should be back to full strength next week. We'll start to uh get a little bit more pep in our step as February gets here. We'll have baseball to talk about, so we'll always be uh geeked up for that. Um full schedule came out, Ole Miss will open the season in Arlington playing in a uh, pretty dang good tournament up there against a Big 12 trio of ranked teams. That'll be fun. Um, we'll have our thoughts on that coming up in the next couple weeks. Um, and then signing day, we'll we'll kind of recap signing day in February as well. Um, not a ton expected on February 3rd, but uh, a fairly big prospect is going to make a decision, so we'll talk about that. Uh, ben, you got anything else before we head out?
1: Nope. Nope. I think we covered it. I talked a lot. Sorry.
0: No, I mean, we, we we covered it, but, I mean, at the same time, there wasn't much to cover because, man, that list of 90s national champions is
1: pretty hard. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, as you would say, that list is very assy. Yeah,
1: it is. <laughs> it's,
0: it's not good. Um. Anyway... <laughs> Well, yeah, stay locked into the site, RedCupRebellion.com. We'll have more stuff coming to you, basketball this weekend, baseball coming up, and uh, we'll have a podcast again next week. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks to Ben for joining. Uh, We hope Nick is uh, enjoying his night off, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Bye.